Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. It could happen here. That's the podcast that this is. It's about things crumbling and uh, how to maybe uncrumble some of the things that are crumbling. And today, when we think about the crumbles, when you start thinking about uh, uh, the hell world that that we're all increasingly inhabiting, the the scary shit that is getting scarier day by day, number one on a lot of people's list is going to be the cops. Um Real cause of anxiety for a significant chunk of people listening to this podcast right now, uh, including its hosts. Um, Alexander, you and I have chatted before on the air. Our guest today, Alexander Williams. Um, You were a police officer in the past, and you are not currently, and you want to chat about um, the, the, the topic kind of the way you pitched it to us is there's a lot of aspects of police training that are very similar to what cults do to indoctrinate people. And you kind of wanted to speak on that. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cross sections. Um, so I, yeah, I used to be a cop. I was in law enforcement for just shy of 15 years uh, until I woke up and got out, luckily. And uh, 
all the stuff that's been going on uh, over the last couple of years and the craziness and really ingesting a lot of stuff uh, around, you know, cults. And I started going down that the little checklist that you go down of like, are you in a high control group? And man, they all just look just dinged in my head every single time of like, oh, this is exactly what it was like being a cop. Oh, this is exactly what it was like being a cop. And I, I'm curious, kind of before we get more into it, do you want to walk us through a little bit more kind of what was your process of, uh, um, I don't know, de-radicalization isn't exactly the right term, but I think you know what I'm getting it's, at. It's in, the, it's, in the, it's in the neighborhood, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mine, so I was raised in a cop family. Uh, my dad was a cop. He went the whole nine yards, retirement, the whole thing. And um, when I got into it, just shy of 22 years old, which that's young to be making those kinds of choices, looking back on it. Um, oh, we had talked on the last podcast uh, for, of, of your season one um, about when my brother got arrested and got beat by my own team, my my own crew in the jail that I worked with, which is the jails is where I, I primarily spent most of my time. And I think that that was uh, item number one kind of on my shelf, mm-hmm. like, like yeah. people call it. That's, that's, that's a big one that went right on the shelf. Um, and during my training, I've always been an obstinate little bastard and I've always had that kind of like authority defiance and in training, they they start telling you really early, like, Hey, you know what? You know, we're your family. Uh, we understand you. We're going to get you. And then like the language, even then kind of flared red flags wrong for me. Uh, and whenever a group of people says we're your family and so, right, (laughs) like (laughs) it's what is like, we're your family and you can talk to us anytime. Fine. We're your family and I got your back. Fine. We're your family. And that's why you need to do this. Right. Things have gone awry. (laughs) It usually is. We're your family, comma now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And yes. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was like. Literally day one, it was, we're your family now, where you're, you know, they use all that language, the familial language, where your brothers, your sisters. Um, yeah. And the one that kinked for me in my brain was, they said, within a year, you're not going to have any friends that aren't cops. Like, all of your oh, civilian oh. friends are going to be gone, because they're not going to yeah. understand you, and they're not going to be able to be around you and handle you. So, within a year, you know, we're going to be everything you got. And for me, that was like, that was a line in the sand. And like part of my brain was screaming like, nope, never letting that happen. I will not let my, uh, myself not have any non-cop friends. Yeah, that's probably good. Cause that's, I mean, you have like when it, it gets to, it's the same thing that happens to anybody, right? Like some people got like last year in Portland kind of activist brain where there was this, all the people were spending time with other people were out protesting. And so we have this really intense bond. And we also are kind of separated, increasingly separated from the people around us because we just can't communicate with anybody else. And that kind of going on for years and years because this is your career for 20-something years. And it's like, yeah, that would, you'd be, you'd be, after a couple of years of that, you're inhabiting a different planet. You really are. And it's yeah. the how you said that, like, you know, this is usually 20 to 30 years, you know, because you, mm-hmm. you want to get that sweet retirement at the end after you've mm-hmm. abused your mind and your body for three decades. Um, it was, it keyed off something that you and Garrison talked about in a previous episode of the hiring practices where the, the, the Washington state guys and they were they got busted because the therapist was showing tons of bias 
And mm-hmm. that brought up for me the hiring process uh, because those psych exams are the only time as a cop that you get a psych exam. That's the only time you ever talk to a therapist mandatorily. And yeah, then, that's not great. Yeah, it's a really bad move. And there's a joke in cop culture of like, well, yeah, you got to pass it before you get hired because after you get hired, you're never going to pass that test. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, being a cop is, is microdosing PTSD in your system the entire time. See... I, I, I guess one thing I'm wondering, because you, you were in it for 15 years, so that's that's not an insignificant span of time. Has it gotten to be more that way? Because I knew about 15-something years ago, when I was like 18, 19, just like I lived in this shitty little apartment complex, and like the dude who lived below above me and then like the dude who lived two doors down were both Dallas cops. Um, and... I don't know, like, I, I, you know, I was not particularly political at that point, but I didn't, they didn't seem to have trouble relating, like, they would hang out and shit after work, like, uh, uh, just like, not, like, like, we would be, like, barbecuing outside, and they would drop by and stuff, and it was never, I never got the sense that they were living in a separate planet, but this is, like, 15 years ago. Right. And I'm wondering, what, to what extent do you think this has kind of increased in, in recent memory, like, this, the, the, the kind of, you don't really... Uh, socialize with people outside of, of the the family, so to speak. It, it is kind of like that. So yeah, a lot of the language you're using is perfect because so what you're describing and what I remember from being a kid in the eighties and the nineties and stuff was um, community policing. And like it's, it's a literal mm-hmm. style of policing going back to more of like the professional uh, police style before it went military. And in areas where people actively live in their community and engage with their community, there's a striking difference in the level of police violence that happens. But nowadays, uh, it's not the same thing because a lot of, especially in bigger metropolitan areas, you, you're a cop there. You can't afford to live there. You're, you're definitely not getting paid enough to live most of the time in the cities that you're supposed to be, you know, a part of. And, it's gotten to the point where they actually teach this like method methodically in uh, academies. They'll be like, Hey, if you want to be a cop in a big town, you need to start shopping around in the smaller cities around it to find a place to live, maybe like an hour away. Um, and then they also pitch it as a safety thing because it's all about, you know, the killology grossmen were all under attack 24 seven. So they'll teach people, you know what? It's, the, it's safest to not live in the town where you're a cop now. Mm-hmm. So it's become intentional. And it's one of those things where, because I don't want to breeze past, this is not the episode where we'll talk about community right. policing. There's very good criticisms of community policing, and there's a lot of things it doesn't solve. Oh, man. But yeah. I think it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're not trying to say, like, the solution is just to get cops, you know, to be members of their communities. But it it is worse when they're driving in from an hour out of town and see it as, like, I'm occupying almost this area. It's like, exactly, it, it does, yeah, yeah. That language fits perfectly, especially with Grossman and all that. Yeah. Yes. And we've got a two-parter on David Grossman on Behind the Bastards if you want to check it out. But he's kind of the one of the big one of the big individuals who's who's done the most to like really push. Um, I don't even like it's usually framed as militarized thinking, but I don't know a lot of soldiers who have been who were trained to think that way. Yeah. About shit. Like I most of the people I know who were getting shot at every day for years overseas were not thinking the way <laughs> Grossman does. <laughs> no, and that's probably because he never actually went and did anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You're probably careful with your personal information, but what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back. With plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at lifelock.com news. That's lifelock.com news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah! So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I think maybe we should probably, Alexander, have you go start going through this um, this document you put together, kind of walking through. Um, and I, I wonder if you might start when you kind of started thinking about police training and the mindset inculcated inside police departments from like a cultic perspective. When did that really start to come together for you? 
Uh, it probably really started to come together. Um, uh, when actually when I got involved, I, I used to be an instructor. Uh, when I got you know behind that part of the curtain and I got involved in those things, um, and I started going and teaching, and I started teaching other departments that would come to us. And it was a it was a joke in my head at first. Was like, oh, we all speak the same language, and then that got my brain rolling on linguistics and how linguistics work and how that you know the words we use change how we perceive reality and then i clicked and i was like oh we're like a we're a subculture we're we're like no matter where you go in the country we are yeah. a little subculture we are a little yeah. a little group and uh that's what started to to kind of push me towards like it's like being in a cult cuz uh you know you grow up around central california and there's a lot of really religious people and you start seeing the intersectionality of it really fast yeah, and that's interesting because we, we've talked a few times on various shows I've done about how any good subculture, any really good party has elements of like a cult, right? There's there's little bits of that. There's bits of that in friendship and whatnot. The tribalism um, of it all, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just a thing like cults are taking advantage, like pulling a bunch of things that people do together in order to manipulate human beings. Um I'm wondering kind of where where you think where where are some of the areas you think it kind of crosses the line with police from like this is you know a, a degree of like I'm sure firefighters have a degree of this you know um these are people that like I hang around with all the time and we wind up in some intense situations together that causes there are culty aspects that's always going to cause um I'm wondering kind of where where are the first areas you started to realize this this is crossing that line um Probably the first area is in how much the department, like, and this was universal in lots of departments that I, I had contact with, is how much the department owns you. And I mean, like, they mm -hmm. use that language. They, they'll tell you, like, we own you. Like, anything you do in your personal life, your first thought needs to be, how does this affect my department and mm -hmm. my, my sheriff, my chief, my whatever? Like, every single thing you do is supposed to be potentially PR for the department. So they tell you flat out in the forefront of your mind, every waking moment, you're on duty. You're, you're, you're here. You're, you, we own you. Um, and that, that was the first one that was just like, Oh man, like, no, I punch out at the end of my shift and I go home. Uh, this isn't like, this isn't, this is a job. It's not supposed to be a life. Uh, it's, it's, and that, that was the first one that started going it. Um, Probably the second one that I really noticed was that you can tell anyone's a cop because they'll tell you within about five seconds of meeting them that they're a cop. Mm -hmm. If you're at a bar, you're at a party, you're at whatever, they'll be like, hi, my name, my, my, my name's Alexander. I work for the sheriff's department. Like, it's, it's <laughs> going to come out of their mouth in two seconds because it is, it's their identity. It's their entire sense of self. Yeah, and I, I wonder, because one of the things we've seen in the last couple of years in particular is aspects of that bleed out, like the thin blue line flags and stuff. And some of that's some of that's just, you know, signposts. Some of that's just, I, I know people who were in uh, certain jobs where they transported things that were sketchy and had those flags. It's like, well, maybe the cop won't search me, you know. But like, there and there's elements of it that are just, you know, I don't want the cops to stop me from, you know, fucking with these people or whatever. But I, th I, I think there's also elements of that, um, and I think probably television is to blame for aspects of this, but of kind of that sheepdog culture, as, as, uh, as Grossman calls it, that are starting to bleed over into chunks of the civilian world. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm wondering kind of like, yeah, what that looks like as a, 
as someone on like the the deep inside of that as a police officer like what is it i'm i'm wondering like to what extent were you kind of conscious of that aspect of society like filling out around you like some of these like the cult of the of the heroic police officer kind of spreading to be um something new uh which which it really started doing from like 2018 up to the present moment is when a lot of that shift seems to have happened based on kind of what I've saw, seen. At least. No, I, I, that timeline fits perfectly. Cause I, re- I remember when I first got hired, the thin blue line, it existed. It was a thing, but it was just a, it was just a matte black with a blue line. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you didn't really, even in cop culture, like I didn't grow up seeing that thing in the eighties and the nineties that much. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And then when I was in the department in the, in the, tw- in the two thousands, you, you kind of saw it every now and again, someone might have a lapel pin, uh, like in the department, but out in public, Nobody had that stuff. No, nobody, nobody had any of that rocking stuff, and it didn't. It never really bothered me uh, until it showed up on an American flag, and then that was that was a big red flag of like, oh, this, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, this is this is nationalism, guys. This isn't good. And like, my whole crew looked at me and go, "What's nationalism?" And I'm just like, "Fuck." <laughs> is there this like sense that people are toadying, or is it this sense that like? this is kind of the silent majority that backs us in doing whatever hard work we need to do. Uh, I think it started out as toadying. It really did. And it's, but it's now shifted into um, this whole, like, you know, you get those guys that are like, Oh, if I see a cop getting in a fight, I'm going to get out of my car and I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to back him up because they're like, they're playing cop. They really want that authority or that whatever, but for whatever reason, they don't go do it. Um, yeah, but this has been a way of like, kind of, they get to see themselves as being like a, a posse kind of a thing. Like I, I'm in the, I'm in the club. I'm not in the club, but like, they're my buddies. And, and is there, I don't know, does that make being in the club cooler? The fact that there's these kind of posses forming around it, this people kind of wor- worshiping the culture associated with it. I mean, there probably is now, but honestly, when I was in there, it freaked me the hell out. It, it really, it <laughs> really creeped me out. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I mean, you have to think about if you're if you're a reasonable person, how weird it would be to see your job turned into a cult. Like Garrison, you know that feeling, um, <laughs> or you're you're going to learn when we when we make the cult. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I wanted to. I guess let, let, let's get back to this kind of list you put together because you were sort of going through different hallmarks of what makes something a cult. One of them is uh, the group displays an excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader and whether he is alive or dead regards his belief system, ideology, and practices as the truth, as law. Um, And I'll remind you, we're not talking about my podcast. We're talking about um, (laughs) cults here. Uh, That's right. Um, Yeah, stay quiet, Garrison. <laughs> They're just smiling silently, staring at us through Zoom. I see you. Uh, okay, and you've written under this: the law is the higher power; they grant control of their actions. Blind faith in the system frees them from having to consider their role in the system. It's my job to arrest and charge high. Let the court figure out the rest. It sounds a lot like kill them all and let and let God sort them out. In this case, the criminal justice system is a direct replacement for God. I, I think think this is this is a really good point. This is even. Yeah. This is the thing. Even when I was like a a dumb kid and thought cops were fine, this was the one thing that even like just even still freaked me out about cops. Because every once in a while you would see a video of like 
a cop just randomly like assaulting somebody and then other cops nearby just mindlessly join in and I'm like whoa that's such a weird kind of group dynamic of they see someone doing something and they just don't question it at all and immediately back it up no matter what actually was happening because like I always tried to think things through more like logically and that type of like mindlessness really freaked me out and I think was maybe one of the first things that was like huh maybe it was was one of the first cracks and like maybe cops actually aren't good um mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think this is a really great point in terms of how this ties into like yeah, it's, it's my job to it's my job to arrest and charge. My, I I don't sort out what happens afterwards, so it doesn't actually matter. Like it, it's mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm not actually hurting these people because if they, if they did something wrong, it's going to get f- figured out in the court system. I'm just doing this like preliminary task. It's, it it plays into a whole bunch of like weird psychological things that make you feel better about horrible actions you're doing. Because you have so much backing that's going to make sure what you do actually isn't bad. Yeah, this is like th- this, you know, this arrest, which may be physical and ugly, even if they're innocent later, is just part of what you have to do to get yeah. to the point where you determine whether or not they're innocent. So I'm not doing anything bad. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Garrison, I, like, it's, it's it, what you said is perfect because in the bottom of the thing where I was just spewing notes to myself, I, I literally put down here it's not a job to them, it's a central component of their sense of self. This is why they will do terrible things to validate mm-hmm. their perceived reality and how they see yeah. things. Yeah, they it's you might say, like, imagine how like think about how hard it is to get people to admit they're wrong about a political belief on Twitter, um, especially <laughs> when their name is attached to their account. Now, imagine you have like imagine that's the, the thing being argued is like the central thing around which you organize your life and also you get to shoot people who make you angry <laughs> oh yeah oh, it's it's a rough situation to be in it, it is it is it's crazy and um the the part that i wrote of it's my job to arrest and charge high i think that's that's a part of the the mentality of it is like yeah i don't want to say it's like a game but it, it almost is like a game it's almost like they're trying to get points like score high and yeah, talk to me about talk to me a little. When you say arrest and charge high, kind of what does that what does that sort of look like on the ground? Before we get into kind of why people do that. So like, when I, I, when you're using your your powers of arrest, you're 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 supposed to adhere to a penal code, but there is code. And I'm only speaking to California because that's where I got my training. Sure. Yeah. Um, they don't expect cops to remember every single element of every single PC code because that's ridiculous. No one's going to be right. able to do that. Um, so there's. There's wiggle room, there's play, where I know you did this thing, and I know it's what they call a wobbler, like I can go felony, you can go misdemeanor. They'll teach you in the academy, they're like, if it's a wobbler, you always charge felony, every single time. Even if you don't think it's going to work, charge it felony. Kick it to the DA, and let the DA see if they can make it stick, and if they don't, whatever, who cares, that's not part of our job anymore. Wow. And yeah, and that's one of those things where a lot of people, I've had friends who got charged with felonies that got dropped, but like you're still living under, you're, you essentially have to live as like the diet version of a felon while that's hanging over your head. You do. Um, which is not part. fun. No, and it's a big part of the whole criminal justice. I'm sure you guys are aware that DAs love yeah. to crack deals. They love to make their, they make mm-hmm. their little backroom deals. And fac- facilitating that is cops charging high. You're, yeah. you're in the room, you're facing felony charges, and the DA is going to be like, oh, man, I can knock that down to a misdemeanor, but that's because he knows he doesn't have a case. Yeah. But he didn't get that opportunity without a cop charging the higher charge. 
Now, you know who isn't going to charge high? <laughs> because their prices are incredibly low. So reasonable. Very reasonable. Very fair. The products and services that support our podcast. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Uh, we're back. So the next thing you've got on here uh, is kind of talking about cult characteristics. Questioning doubt and dissent are discouraged or even punished. And you've written, academies are commonly paramilitary. They are working to break down and build up cadets. As discussed last season on my show, the FTO program is where fresh cadets meet salty veterans and the cycle of abuse starts. The paramilitary environment is usually casual and unnoticeable until somebody questions orders or tradition. Questioning order gets the that's an order threat, while questioning tradition and suggesting improvements gets that's how it's always been done. There is no forum for change or progress. Some places have these forums, but they're just for public relations. And this is the thing that I think 
people who are trying to engage with from a perspective of like reform or whatever, trying to change law enforcement as a lot of people were last year, where things get jammed up a lot is the, there's this attitude among civilians, so to speak, among most of us that like, well, anything the government does should be subject to like, well, we should watch out. We should look at it. We should see if it works. If it doesn't work, we should change it to make it work better. And that's how kind of everything should work. And that's, what you're getting at here is interesting because it's the the the, re, the reticence to actual change among police is legendary, but I don't think there's a lot of discussion of the psychology behind it. Yeah, I mean, it's that it goes back to that whole uh, we'll do anything to reinforce our perception of reality thing. Um, like I said earlier, grew up in a cop family, and it's specifically in the department that I worked at. So you know, we were called like blue bloods or legacy kids, and no matter what was going on, like uh, anything that you questioned, it was always, oh, well, that's always, it's, that's the way it's always been done. That's the way it's mm-hmm. always been done. And I grew to hate that answer, like with a passion uh, in my personal life, everywhere. I, I refused to give that as an answer when I became a sergeant eventually. Um, and yeah, they'll do anything. I mean, they will, they will bend laws. They'll break laws. Cause who's going to charge them. Um, yeah, because it's what they've always done. Always. Uh, my department famously had um, our union got uh, all of our union dues embezzled by people in our brass. And <laughs> they got caught dead to rights, but that case never went anywhere. Nobody would touch it with a 10-foot pole. Uh, and even if you go and Google it and you try to look at archives from the local newspaper, it's gone. It never happened. And yeah, that's interesting to me because that's like cops getting screwed over by cops why how is that how is that how is like what what is the impulse to defend that well because so there's a division in in cop culture of like like ranks in a cult once you get to what they call brass your your lieutenant captain or higher they they don't look at us the same way they don't look at the the grunts the line workers the guys doing the 12 hour shifts we're all that family talk goes out the window and it's like well we're mom and dad now and they they change their role in that world. And again, to maintain that power and authority, they'll do whatever they have to do. Yeah, that's um I mean, it it also kind of feeds into this uh, this idea that like there used to be less restrictions, there used to be like we used to really be able to like do this and do that, like we like a lot of violence get justified that way, but it also it it provides an opportunity, I think, for like police who are trying to engage with reformers to do some sneaky shit because often this like community policing is referred to like, yeah, we need to go back to the old methods of policing. It's like, yeah. well, but there were prop. Do you remember the fire hoses being used on black people during the civil rights movement? Oh, like man. there were issues back before we got militarized. It's it's yeah. And that, I mean, and that was the stuff they were doing outside. Um, mm-hmm. The jail I worked in, because you bring up fire hoses, this is where I'm going. Um, mm-hmm. They we had big cotton fire hoses up on the floors in this jail, and it was actually built out of old parts of a Texas prison. And you know, everyone talks about the good old days when we could really do stuff. And the story that always went around was that when the inmates were getting rowdy, they would just walk down the tier with the hose and just nail them. And then just Jesus Christ. put it back. Because, yeah. again, who, who's going who's gonna to tell on me? Who's going to believe these guys? Yeah. And that was back in, like, 70s era. You know, it's the, 
That's the big fish story that guys used to always tell. But I'm like, I have no reason to not believe that story. It sounds yeah. very I, I mean, worse stuff happens in prisons today. Oh, man, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. All right, moving on down your list. This one's really interesting to me, and I'm, I, I'm curious from some detail on this, because this is not something I ever really thought about. Um, mind-altering practices such as meditation, chanting, speaking in tongues, denunciation sessions, or debilitating work routines are used in excess and serve to suppress doubts about the group and its leaders. And you've written, cop talk, briefings, evals are always negative, and the work routine is abusive. It is paired with hypervigilance. Um, I'm, I'm extremely interested in that, and, and kind of like how it how it sounds, like the, the kind of language that you're talking about people using among each other when they're doing this. So... I, you know, almost in, I mean, I'm not even almost in kind of a PTSD response. I've blocked out like a lot of my memories from those years. Mm -hmm. Like, but I'll talk to, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I'll talk to ex cops and they're like, Hey, remember blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. Um, so cop talk is mostly slang. It's like, it's the 10 code stuff. Um, but it gets stuck in your head. And you start, and it's it's one of those things where they talk about how you're not going to have friends outside of work because you're going to start talking in this language. You'll say, you know, what's your twenty? You know, I'm code four. You, if you see someone who's acting a certain way, like out of the ordinary, maybe a mentally ill person, you'll say, like, oh, that's a J cat. Like you'll use this jailhouse slang, and it just it permeates your brain. And like we said before, your words manipulate how you perceive reality, and you just start seeing everything that way. Um. The, the big one is the hypervigilance cycle mm -hmm. is the, is the abusive part. That's the, that's the part that really got me thinking of cults of how they'll, you know, de uh, deny you food, sleep, make you work crazy hours and do all these things. Um, and that's, that's, that's the one that really keyed the whole cult aspect for me was the hypervigilance cycle, the studies that have gone into it. Um, I learned about it from a book. This little guy right here, it's called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement. It's by uh, Kevin M. Gilmartin, PhD. He's an ex-cop um, who got a PhD in neuroscience and studies studied cops' brains and got to see how they function. And he's the one that kind of coined this whole hypervigilance cycle of you're always edging at this parasympathetic fight, flight, or freeze response time when you're on duty. Yeah, and yeah. It just stays up there the entire time. I'm sure soldiers have had the same thing. Fuck, I'm sure you had the same thing, Robert, when you were doing mm -hmm. your, your war journalism stuff, man. Or fuck, just being yeah. in Portland last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, it keeps you at that edge, that cresting peak, and then you crash. And you get back up, and boom, you peak up again, and then you crash. And it's almost like a drug. Your brain becomes addicted to that peaked-out feeling that you get from the hypervigilance because... You do hear a little better. You see a little better. Better. Your brain's moving a little faster because there's that a heightened amount of adrenaline just constantly dripping into your system. And then you crash. And when you crash is when you're not at work. So you start yeah. associating not being at work with feeling bad. And being at work feels good. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the same thing happened... I, I'm sure Garrison, it happened like, during like the riots where you would yeah. feel shitty when you weren't out there. Um, Yes, yeah, some and, days I yeah. would go out not even to just to cover it, just to kind of just stand there like a block away because there was nothing else to do. Like there mm -hmm. was there's like I could sit at home and rest, but I'll just be watching whatever's happening, not doing anything else. You just it it it, it feel it would feel more relaxing just to stand on a street corner 
at, and watch people throw stuff over a fence. Because yeah. That that that's just that's more relaxing than laying down. It was like a, it's that a, a very a very weird disassociative like feeling that yeah like my my brain is it's accustomed to this environment now. So this is the environment I'm gonna be in. Right, and look how yeah. fast your brain got into that groove. Now, you know, imagine doing it for thirty years. Yeah, instead of like six months, or even though know, it, it's it started only after like uh, two months, right? And or even even in some cases like a, a month. Um, yeah, yeah, it sets in fast. Yeah. Um. All right. So I wanted to get into the kind of the next thing here. Um. The leadership dictates, sometimes in great detail, how members should think, act, and feel. E.g., members must get permission to date, change jobs, or marry. Or leaders prescribe what to wear, where to live, whether to have children, how to discipline children, and so forth. Um, very classic cult shit, right? Like the the, the nut, really, of what yeah, it is I to had, be I in had, a cult. We had yeah. all all that stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I would guess that like ninety nine percent of the time, if you ask someone for a quick definition of a cult, this is what they're gonna say. Some or this this is the kind of shit they're gonna highlight. Um, and I, I'm interested in, yeah, just talk, because you already chatted a bit about about this, just the fact that, like, the way in which police policy works kind of restructures how you function off-duty, which I think is something that people, everyone understands elements of it, right? Like, if you're a fucking dishwasher for a living, it, you will wash dishes differently forever, right? Like, if you, if you yeah, bag your, like, bag shit at a grocery store, like, that's something that you'll always know, kind of know how to do. Like there's bits and pieces of this, but it's not quite the same as what you're talking about. And I, I, I want to get kind of into why. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're when you're as an adult, you do something that you're like, oh, I used to do that at my first job when I was like 15. But yeah, it does stick mm-hmm. with you. The muscle, the muscle memory sure. sticks in those neural pathways that your brain gets carved, unless you get the right kinds of mushrooms to fix that. Yeah. So. And then you just throw shit in the bag. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. Smooth out those curves. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the leadership really does dictate. I mean, it, some of them are, some of them you can FOIA and some of them are public. You can, you can pull up uh, policies and procedures, standard operating procedures, and you can look at like, there's a ton of policies that literally dictate what you are and are not allowed to do in your personal life. Uh, things you're allowed to post on social media, uh, places you're allowed to go in uniform. And, it all just starts like tinking away at your armor of that, of that sense of identity, that sense of self. And it, that's how the job becomes your identity. Again, it, it, it permeates every corner of your life. If you let it, um, if you don't have like the, I don't know, the, the mental strength to kind of resist that it washes over you real fast because while that's all going on, especially as a young cop, you feel great. You're, you're special. Now you're, you're in this, you're in the magic club. You, you have the, the symbol on your chest and the gun on your hip. And it's really easy to let that slip and just become everything about you. Um, yeah. Remember, uh, permissions like, so permission to date and things like that might sound a little weird, but there are times where like my wife and I don't dress like the typical conservative central Valley person, uh, and at out of work functions, I would get, I would get comments from people being like, Hey, maybe your your wife has a lot of really colorful hair. Like maybe she should tone that down. Jesus. for again, Oh, that was another one where I'm like, what? No, that's my wife. She can do whatever she damn well wants. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean that's 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 the kind of talking that should get somebody slapped upside the head. Yeah, should. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um the uh uh the next thing you have here is the group is elitist claiming a special exalted status for itself, its leader and its members. Uh the leader is and I'm interested in kind of cuz you you have you have elements of this, right? Um, with it, like the sheepdog thing, where kind of like the cop is the center of the cult for people who are not cop uh, cults. I don't know, like, does this exist? Like, I I don't see like cult a cult leader sort of within this this thing. I think it's it's almost more nebulous than that, where this idea of the agent of the law is kind of the center of the cult that the people who are agents of the law buy into, as well as folks outside of it. You know, I don't know. This is. Probably deserve any. Anyway, I'm mean, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. This probably deserves significantly more analysis than we're going to give it today. But I, I think it's a fascinating thing to think about. Right. It's kind of like how I what I put earlier that the the criminal justice system is the direct substitute for God. It is God. The law is God. I mean, how many times have you gotten into a debate with someone where they'll be like, "Well, it's ethically fine because it's legal," and you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, no, legality does not equal." you know, ethical or moral and there, but there's these people in America who are just like, no, if it's legal, it's legal. That means it's okay. Yeah. And the elitism. Yeah. It's obvious. I mean, if you've met, it is kind of a religious belief though, that like, yeah, no, it's illegal. So it's bad. She, there were a criminal, so they deserved X. Like yeah. making a, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's making yeah. a, a, a homebrewed cleric that believed in the law for D and D was pretty easy uh, to, <laughs> to be like, yeah, this is a church. This is a religion. Mm. Um, yeah, it is, it is the sheepdog among, among sheep and the, you know, it's us against the wolves and blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> we have a guy's name in here that I won't say, uh, for anonymity, but we had, we had a brass guy, a lieutenant that would give us these prepared speeches whenever he thought someone's morale was getting low, uh, where he would talk about how, and, and he was wrong that the word sheriff comes from, uh, like Sanskrit or Arabic Sharif, which is yeah. not true. No, it comes from Shire Reeve. It's old English, just squished because English is a hideous language. Um, but he had to, I mean, I, I can't count how many times he told me that exact same speech to my face over and over again, as if it was the first time I was hearing the story. And it's, to me, that was another thing that clicked where I'm like, God, it's like talking. It's like a call and response when you're in church. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, yeah. you, anytime you confront uh, a religious person, they just they have that 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 dogmatic spew that regurgitates and just like well here's my opinion that I was told by someone who told me. Okay, so uh, Alexander, um, we've got more to say. You've got a lot more that you've written here. Um, we're gonna we've gone kind of a little over the time we had here, so I want to have you back on tomorrow for part two of this. Before we roll out, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Maybe the Washington uh, State Patrol. <laughs> God no. Um, <laughs> No, I don't really have anything to plug. I'm I'm never say die where all the E's are threes because I'm that elder nerd mm-hmm. from the nineties. Hell uh, yeah, on you Twitter. are. Yeah, and uh, saw hackers in the theater. I, I it's claim to fame. So wow. yeah, never say die on Twitter if you want to come see me. How are your hips doing? Stuff. Oh <laughs> I'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It Garrison's noise. never seen Wayne's World. Oh. I know. That's true. That's true. Too young. Oh. It's too I tried to show Wayne's World to my brother who's still like five years older than Garrison and uh did not take. Didn't take. It's it's a it's a time thing. Well and my, my my oldest is about four years younger than Garrison and they've seen Wayne's World. I'm just <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> wow. Okay. Uh. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails done. Outfit stunner. And my skin, I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.